0: Asia Tech Podcast. Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. This is Pitch Tech Asia. We are live. My name is Graham Brown. I'm joined in the studio by Tahina Singh. Tahina, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me here, Graham. And as I said, as soon as I walked in, it's a very impressive setup you have here.
0: Well, great. I'm, I'm glad I could share it with you. A very positive person. We've had a very good off air conversation as well. And you're bringing a bit of the positive vibes to the studio today. CEO and founder of Propine. Um, we're going to go into the backstory to the company as well, mm-hmm. learn a bit about what it is that you're doing, learn a bit about the, the space that you're operating in, the, mm-hmm. the problem that you're solving as well. Your background, you're four and a half years now here in Singapore, originally from India. How would you describe yourself? Would you describe yourself as a developer, a programmer, an engineer? What What is your story there?
1: Definitely started out as an engineer. I knew very early in my life that I wanted to be an engineer. I declared that to my parents. Um way before I had ever even put my hands on a computer, by the way. I'd never seen one. But I just knew that I wanted to be a computer engineer and that's how I told my dad wow. one day. <laughs> so uh, funny story. But yeah, I, I did my engineering from Bilani and um worked for a couple of years as a software engineer, but I always um I, I always knew that I'd never wanted to do um uh, Application programming. I mm. didn't want to be sitting, writing JavaScript programs. So I was more into operating systems and networks. So, um, worked in that space for a while, uh, did my MBA pretty much out of accident, really accidental MBA, uh, primarily because I did not take the decisions and the world around me took decisions, mm. including my dad and I landed up in this space, um, and it took me a few months to realize that decision has been taken because I didn't take one. So uh, <laughs> so I should just stop cribbing and let's see what the world has to offer. So that's how I was in luck Lucknow and um, finished my MBA. Before I finished it, I knew that I wanted to get into finance hmm. because I had had a brief stint with Citibank uh, in the treasury and I just loved the pace. Um, personally, I'm I'm a very uh, driven person. I like to work on my own, and that was something that I really liked about treasury. If you're a trader, uh, it's literally just about you, your own work, do your own stuff, and that kind of clicked with me somewhere. Mm. Um,
0: Were you on the trading desk?
1: I was on the trading desk. Yeah, mm. so making markets for institutional clients and for interbank markets. Uh, did that for te- ten years. Traded mm. nearly all asset classes. Have seen both buy side, sell side. And, uh, then I moved to Singapore. Uh, my last stint, I was with Innocent Bank, uh, set, like, I was, I'd set up their derivatives trading desk. I'm um, doing pretty well moved here only because my husband moved here and I told my boss that dude like this is happening and he was like you sure you want to go like just forget it you know just travel weekends mm-hmm. to Singapore the whole world does that and I'm like oh recently married you know maybe not so much
0: you had to make a decision then yeah. rather than it be made for you right
1: yeah <laughs> I was like I'm not I'm never gonna let that happen to me again mm. right learned a lesson there way back. So, um, so yeah, I I came here on an exploratory trip way back in April 2014, mm. and uh, finally made a transition in September. My boss helped me a lot, like you know, introducing me around and everything. And I uh, finally got a job, but at that time I also got pregnant. Um, and uh, when I revealed that to to uh, like actually, I had one offer in hand and another one I was in the final rounds. Um, it was quite shocking uh, that the worst fears that I ever had actually came true. The job offer was rescinded when I wow. actually told them, literally going from like Thursday, we're having a conversation that you should come in from Monday to a point where they said, uh, sorry, we're not hiring for this position anymore.
0: Right. And they and didn't give you the straight answer. Why. They can't because yeah. it's illegal to do so. Yeah, resolve. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, two months later, they gave the job to another Citibank guy. So so it was, it was a very... Um, uh, it was, it was, it was not a good experience. Mm. And, uh, that's when I decided that I'm not going to look for a job for now. And I'm just going to take a break. Mm. Uh, I think that was, uh, my worst fears come true. I always told myself that I am not a person who will ever be a stay at home mom. Mm. Like that was like the worst nightmare one baby, zero job, <laughs> not happening to me. So God has a way of, you know, laughing at what you say, it'll mm-hmm. never happen. Mm-hmm. So it happened and I faced it. And when I faced it, I was like, okay, it's not that bad. There is, um, let's start enjoying the pregnancy first mm. and then figure out what next. And I realized that, you know, I have, I've always been a coder. Even while I was trading, I did a lot of coding myself. Um, whether it was small stuff like, you know, doing some amount of statistical analysis using statistical tools like R or, uh, octave and stuff or it was uh, you know writing small macros or whatever like I, w- I was always that kind of person in fact, I had coded up a small part of my derivatives trading uh, uh, tool which worked actually on the desk for two years hmm. um, so I went back to coding because I used to code in C plus plus, and now the world had changed so you know Python Ruby um, uh, JavaScript did a bit of work in that uh, took up a lot of uh, Coursera courses hmm. and uh, that's when I actually discovered you know, blockchain was quite a hype and I started learning ab- about that, uh, went, did a bit of a deep dive into, uh, you know, Bitcoin. And that's when I realized dude, this technology is, is seriously, is, is serious stuff. Like mm. I had actually discovered it in 2011 and that time it was all about like, it's a scam, it's a short trade. Thankfully I did not pick, you know, put on that short trade, otherwise mm. I would have been <laughs> out yeah, of water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, um uh, like From a technological perspective, I realized that this is something that's real, mm. here to stay, and it's going to change uh, the face of finance as I know it. I, I could seriously see so many problems that can get solved. And I have lived through the great financial crisis, 2008, 2009, and I've personally seen a lot of things that went wrong. Mm. I've seen what was going wrong on the institutional sales side uh, from a trading perspective. So I could immediately see the benefits that can come around. So uh, that's when I took a call that I definitely will never go back to traditional finance. Not just the fact that they rescinded an offer, just because you know Mm. they thought that my brains are going to go mushy because I've I've got pregnant. So yeah, so I I decided I'm never going to go back to banks again. Right. Um, Moved into crypto space. uh, Self learned, as everyone else is Mm, in this space. attended a lot of meetups and uh you know since then i've been here did a lot of small things joined a couple of companies in between for a few months to understand what's happening to see maybe there is a company out there that i would love and start working mm. with so uh did a few stints with a few people until i realized when i was doing some otc trading for someone else uh that custody is going to be a big issue mm. um so so i actually talked about it to a few people and <laughs> I, I initially. T- Told someone else that maybe I should set this up for you because this is going to be super important for your clients, and they don't they don't really understand why they should be you know holding someone else's private key, so to speak. Mm. So that plus, I think another thing that really struck me as uh, insane was the was a really poor quality of customer service I saw all around. It was such a take it or leave it attitude, you know. So and 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 when I was selling to clients and my support would give me these kind of answers that was there was no way i'm going to go back to the people i'm facing and say Mm. stuff like that so i felt terribly sorry and i literally went like i'm sorry this is not how it should be but i'm not getting support on this Mm. for you here so uh, i was like this is this is not how it should happen i think the third issue that really um used to really irritate me was the lack of design like Mm. everyone's just expected to be geeky understand everything take full responsibility that's not how life is you know uh I mean I can be my own um, it's, it's, it's a Ricardian world right it's mm. a Ricardian world we all live as specialists in our lives uh, I can be my own cook I can be my own laundry person I can do everything on my own but do I choose to do that I don't right it's not about it's not about my ability as much as I want to spend my time doing things that I'm best at what mm. I love most so if that is the case about everything else in my life why will suddenly someone decide that I will be my own bank mm. it doesn't make sense so there were a lot of things that were incongruent, um, a lot of things that people talk in the space where they're throwing a lot of words around which don't necessarily have been thought through. So I felt like, yeah, I think there is space to create a solution which is going to you know address these three major concerns mm. like you actually provide security to people uh, for their assets. you create It or deliver it in such a way that customer service is at its core and not as an afterthought. You create the solution in such a way that is easy for people to use it so that it's not about the technology. It is really about what you can create with it, Mm. what you can enable with it right? So technology shouldn't become a barrier in itself. That's what's going to kill its adoption in the first place. So with those thought processes, I started to work on propine way back in November 2017. And uh, I applied to Entrepreneur First mm-hmm. as an incubator.
0: Yep, they've been on the show. And yeah. Yeah, they've got a great track record as well.
1: They do. And it's a wonderful team. I was yeah, super absolutely. thankful I got in yeah. there. Met my co-founder there. Mm-hmm. And in January 2018, we both started working. So he's Zan. He's my CTO. Mm-hmm. Very, very able person who handles all the stuff that we've, I have been imagining. And, um, uh, and since then, yeah, we've never looked back.
0: Great. Well, it's a great backstory. That's sort of put on the table what propyne does, Um, I'll I'll introduce the pitch deck as well. And I think as as a bit of context, you, I think, are one of those founders and I say this with all due respect because I believe it's probably the most interesting group of founders who are the corporate dropouts you know there is a group of, we have this sort of narrative of founders who are like 19 20 year old kids or out of Stanford you know in shorts and sandals they're gonna change the world yet the really successful founders that I find especially the ones that sit here are the ones who've done 10 20 years in that world They understand what's broken. They're not necessarily going to change the whole world, but they're going to fix a really fundamental problem. And it seems to me that those founders, they come with experience, they come with skills. You know, an investor doesn't have to bankroll their education. They know all this stuff already, and they come with a network as well. So putting all that together, hopefully we've got the sort of genesis of propine here. Let's talk about what it is and what it does. I know we're going into the space of custody and digital assets. indulge us if you will what this is about how does this affect who does this touch what kind of sectors will this you know impact if i can flash up the pitch deck first just so we can get that going i mean it says digital asset custody explain to me if, as if i don't understand custody and digital asset
1: sure so let's start with custody first um so uh i'll use some uh, analogies from what we're familiar with so for example there are people who will keep their art with another, you know, a vault, or their gold and silver in a vault, mm-hmm. or they keep their, um, you know, government-issued money in a bank. So here they are keeping things that they own uh, in safekeeping of someone else, a more specialized uh, third party who understand their business and who can take care in the appropriate manner of their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, assets. So that basically is called custody. Um, And so what we're trying to do is ensure that we can safe keep your digital assets. Now, digital assets is overall a very uh, large, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty broad as a term and it is used purposefully. Uh, for now i would focus on a small part of those digital assets which are called crypto assets essentially uh tokens cryptocurrencies so we're looking to custody those at this point of time and we are also looking to custody uh security tokens which are uh going to be you know in the market pretty soon mm-hmm. or are around so it 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 Everyone who's in blockchain has probably heard of them by now. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so we're looking at the entire spectrum of crypto assets, anything that is cryptographically stored on, um, safeguarded on blockchain. Uh, but we also keep receiving consistent requests to safeguard other digital assets. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time that we will be able to, uh, you know, open ourselves up to others as well. So the word digital assets is hence for. That, like we use right. it, right? So, purposely. starting point, That's right? Like,
0: yeah. Okay, so what is the problem at the moment? Why have you started Propine? Because there are many smart people out there in the crypto world in the blockchain world. Surely they've already solved this problem. What's broken at the moment? What have you seen different to what everybody else is doing?
1: So, um, very quickly, I'll recap why you need a third party custodian in the first place. So, uh, depending on uh, whether you're regulated or not. If you are a regulated uh, institution, for you to be able to actually, uh, uh, you know, own digital assets you, you can't hold on to those assets yourselves because you know they are basically you're using you're deploying your customers money mm-hmm. so you need a third-party custodian to do so and there are very good reasons why that whole concept of a third-party custodian has developed over a period of time there are certain things like human nature that doesn't really change um, the second reason is fragmentation and the third is security so we've seen billions of dollars that have got lost over a period of time because they've been hacked lost mm-hmm. stolen so uh, so we're trying to solve that problem. And fragmentation only increases that security headache because, uh, you know, you don't have any universal wallet, so to speak, at this point of time. So what we want to create is this one-stop solution where through a single, simple, very, very easy to use interface, people can manage all their crypto assets. Now, uh, and you're right that there are very, very smart people out there. There are a lot of other custodian solutions out there as well who are solving the problem of physical safekeeping of assets. But the way I look at the solutions, most of them, they require you. So there are two types, mostly two types. Either it is full self custody, so you have hardware wallets or similar solutions, or you have fully centralized custodian solutions where they say, "Trust us, give us your funds, and we will take care of it." Right? Um, the self custody part is like your own wallet for your. Uh, cash. Mm -hmm. So you keep a certain amount there for your everyday use, but that's not where you keep your life savings because you can lose it. It can get stolen. There are all kinds of reasons you can imagine once you start thinking of cash under Mm -hmm. your mattress, why we don't want that. Uh, Then the second part is fully centralized custody. Okay. I may ruffle some feathers when I say this today. Uh, The point is a fully centralized custodian solution where people say, "Just give me your funds, and you know, I will then trust me to safeguard it for you," hmm. um, is going back to the fully centralized solution that exists, except that it exists without that regulatory or yeah. serious oversight that well, goes with it. We've seen
0: some it. horror stories as yeah. well recently, right?
1: So that is precisely the worst of both the worlds, and yeah. putting them together—like how right. is that even progressive? That's taking a step backwards. For both the industries. Mm. And that's a problem that I think we need to solve. We need to take the best from both the worlds and move them forward. Rather than keep on bickering about uh oh we're anti banks or anti financial mm. establishment. No, it is not about that. There are certain things that are right about this world and there are certain things that are broken. Can we be more objective about it and and, and adopt the best practices that have developed over a period of time? Mm. You know, people or like everybody in finance is not a fool right mm. so so what i want to do is take those best practices from finance and put them with the best best technology that's coming out mm. what the, the transparency that it, it it enables or the efficiencies that it enables can we put them together to create a, a step forward for both these industries mm. in a way that custody becomes more efficient uh less centralized more transparent less costly Less costly is not an option right now, but it eventually will become, it it has to go that way because otherwise it doesn't make sense.
0: All right. I'm going to ask you about what you bring from the world of finance, traditional finance, if I can use that word. So I can understand, where does it fit in with all the existing models out there? Where where does Propine fit in with self-custody and the centralized models, for example, with the existing wallets that are out there? Do you integrate into those or do you rep- do you see yourself as replacing all of that?
1: Um. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to replace ledger's or, or any other mobile wallets. I think they all have a place in the ecosystem. Hmm. Uh, there are different types of people, different types of institutions. They all have different needs, and a single person or single institution will have different needs at different points of time. So, um, so we're definitely not replacing any of them, and we're not. We're, we're never going to attempt to do that. Um, I think what we're trying to do is first of all, we create a solution not for retail but for institutions. Hmm. So it is it is uh, focused towards that, and it is mostly. So we we offer. A a cold storage solution and the idea was essentially only to provide that but a lot of our customers continuously came back to us uh, beta customers who kept coming back and asking for a hot wallet solution as well and mm. that's what prompted the hot wallet to get added
0: okay so but explain I... to me cold storage and hot wallet because you're using sort of Sorry, traditional terms I just keep
1: but, using a lot yeah, no, it's great jargons. i mean
0: yeah no it's good because obviously that is something that works in the old world w- what's it mean in this context cold storage and hot wallets
1: so cold storage is something that is uh, in a very simple way, in layman terms, it is not connected to the internet. Mm. And hot wallet is what where your private keys uh, are actually on um, connected devices. So very simply spoken, mm. uh, that's how yeah. it is. Um, I think what I want, so, so these concepts are not new, they are very native to blockchain. Um, what I want to definitely do is how we implement these solutions, how we involve the customer partially mm. in such a manner. Whenever you think of security versus um, convenience, they're always at loggerheads. And the way mm. we try to design a solution is such that convenience goes to the consumer and we keep the onus of security on ourselves. I think which is where we're slightly uh, unique because it's it, it's the design that we have thought through from the from the very beginning. Hmm. apart from that there are a bunch of governance practices which we've put in place not all of them are unique but hmm. what is important here is uh what we're trying to create is you know w- w- so okay so When you're using all other custody solutions, what happens is if you wanted to do anything else other than keeping your assets in this one place, if you want to trade with them, if you want to lend them out or Mm. anything else, you basically have to move them out of that safe custody. right? And that's when your assets are at risk again. Mm. What we want to create on top of this base layer, which is what I call base. Base is where your safekeeping, physical safekeeping of digital assets happens. Now, what else can we do on top of that? And that's where our focus in a a big way is to create this platform where you can do everything that you need to, whether it's trading, whether it's reporting, whether it's uh, talking to your fund administrators, whether it is um, lending your crypto out, generating extra income on top of your passive assets. All of that can be done without ever leaving Mm. the safekeeping of this custody. So we're creating this economy. We are are signing up partnerships in a big way so that all of these partners can come together. And I'm very clear that we're not one of those who will attempt to do it all. Mm. We do not want to do it all. We're very focused. We want to ensure that your assets are safe and that you can access all these services in a very seamless manner. Mm -hmm. Which means that we will have exchanges, OTC traders, fund administrators, we'll have um, crypto lending platforms, we'll have options uh, exchanges and, you know, like all kinds of ecosystem partners who will connect in with us and and, and give an access to our customers who can do all these things while still being safe in a seamless manner without ever worrying where your assets are going to go. And I think that's a concept I have taken from traditional finance Mm. because that's how it has to happen. The, the the complexity has to be hidden away.
0: Right. Whereas, you know, in the, the native blockchain space where people have not necessarily come from the finance side, are they approaching some of those solutions differently? Are people approaching it in a different way in the sense that they don't have that kind of experience from finance? Therefore, they're looking at it without the knowledge of what those bec- best practices were. And therefore, you know, it it may be just technology for technology's sake. You actually see a problem that's happened. You can apply best practices from finance, but with a better technology and maybe something that's a bit more decentralized as well. You can approach it from that mindset. There seems to be a lot of solutions out there in blockchain which haven't come from the world of finance. These are people maybe come from the world of engineering. Absolutely. So, you know, approaching it from that angle gives it, you know, I think more validity to be honest. So let, let's talk about where you've come in your journey. Cause you've talked about building this ecosystem. You've been around now for 18 months, around about yeah. that, just coming up to 18 months. Okay. Sure. So how has that been for you? What, tell us a little bit about that journey. You know, you started out of entrepreneur first with your co-founder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, let's sort of look at that journey over the timeline of Propine. Um, just walk us through. It's not in your pitch deck, but that would be a great slide to have in there. So let's sort of like just talk through it. Those 18 months, what have you been doing? Can you tell us a little bit about the, you know, what's public in terms of your raises, team size, you know, the partnerships and where you are with your product as well?
1: Sure. I think it's been a very, very, very intense journey in the last 18 months. Not a day off since we started. Um, and uh, we started out as two. Today we are eight mm-hmm. and everyone else apart from me is fully technical, either developers uh, or app security or cybersecurity engineers. So there's you and
0: then seven technical people and yes. you're quite technical as well. So. <laughs> yes. Right.
1: So, and, and I am heavily involved in product design, mm. feature design, writing product notes, you um, Year doesn't yet pass without me doing the final mm, test. Mm. So I am involved in that, but I don't do any coding. So that's mm. fully you know, Zan and his amazing. You team.
0: understand coding like.
1: I can read code. That's I the can point, is Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if he talks, I can like, I can ask yeah. questions. So yeah. Um We have an amazing CISO with us. Um, so from a product perspective, it, it is fully ready. We support Bitcoin. We mm. support Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, uh, Ethereum, ERC20 tokens, Litecoin, Ripple. Um And we are gearing up for supporting STOs as well. Mm-hmm. Um so that's on the product side. Uh, we so we have a full, fully operational regu- uh, regulatory compliance program in place already, voluntarily adopted, because we're not regulated yet. Um, and, uh, you know, so KYC, AML, anti-corruption, gifts and entertainment policy, your mm. window outsourcing policy, technology risk management policy, all of that is in place. We, in fact, have recently concluded our ISO 27001 final audit. And over next, I think, under four weeks, we should have our, um, you know, uh, certification in place as mm-hmm. well. Uh, on data privacy, also we've we've taken a lot of steps, and uh, we're we're applying for. We, actually, we've already started the process for this uh, data protection trust mark. So uh, that's issued by IMDA Government of Singapore. So that should be in place also by end of April. So it's been an intense journey from the very beginning. I think. Uh, one of the one of the defining features has been that we're not here to create MVPs. We're not here to do things which we will rectify tomorrow. We're not here to um, create processes which tomorrow we need to fix. Mm. And 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 that is why, like m- my my CTO, my CISO, they are all people with over like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen years of experience. Our chief designer is is like the, she's the oldest one amongst us all, and she's amazing with her work. About mm. 19, 20 years of work ex. So we've hired people with a lot of experience and they have been delivering literally more than what I ever expected of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, so when we started designing the solution, it wasn't like, oh, I want to just support Bitcoin. No, we start with the product design first, the platform design, so that it is modular and I can connect into every other blockchain tomorrow. So that's how the design started. Similarly, when we were creating processes for the system, it was always with the perspective that we will go in for an ISO 27001. We will go in for the correct data privacy uh, trademark. So I do not want to have, um, you know, like hasty, fast processes which Mm. we are going to scrap and like start all over again and and in the process build really bad habits right so uh so and and because we had that focus from the very beginning at the end of 18 months of uh, you know being here we actually will be having these two uh things in place which is probably the fastest for any startup i think mm. it's it's a, it's a rarity for a startup of our age to be to have that level of maturity in terms of its processes mm-hmm. documentation policies procedures and controls governance controls in place
0: great so. and, and funding as well i mean how is it funded up until here so we've
1: closed our seed funding mm-hmm. uh, recently in november We raised about 1.6 million Singapore dollars, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think the way we're going, uh, hopefully in less than next nine months, we should be hitting the road again. Right, Uh, it's non-stop. Nine to twelve months, uh, always be raising, always be selling. So
0: (laughs) that's how it works, right? So you've just closed with your seed round, yes. And and without, I mean, you don't have to disclose everybody, but what kind of investors did you have come on board for that?
1: So we have some really, really good set of people who are on board with us. We are, we're led by um, Decacorn Capital, Mm -hmm. SG Wade, Golden Gate Ventures, uh, uh, crypto partner, Lunix Ventures, Mm -hmm. Chain Fund Capital. We have uh, some really strategic and really helpful um, uh, angel investors. Uh, One of our mentors uh, from uh, from, uh, EF who had been mentoring us week on week. Mm. It was a very... Um, big sign of support when he came out and he said uh, you know either way I do not need to know which way of funding is going to go I'm going to invest because I've yeah. seen you week on week so mm. that was I think uh, one of the big boosts of confidence we had uh, and so we have a few we have a very very large and strategic angel investor in as well mm. so um, got some a, good
0: partners in that There's some good yeah, names
1: very good partners so when yeah. we were raising funds it was very important for us that uh, I think one of the first question we used to figure out was how what else does this investor bring Mm. on board for us it is not about the money like i i I truly believe that if you are creating something of value money will follow Mm. so it is not about the money only a lot of people say there is no color of money Mm. i i think there is and and i like to distinguish between good versus bad money mm-hmm. so uh we were very clear that we need to have partners who you know and and i'm a very i'm a very intuitive person i work very at uh, sometimes i take a lot of gut level decisions mm-hmm. um and i did that a lot in in my trading and i actually learned that through my trading that when i don't trust my gut mm-hmm. and i try and analyze the trade idea sometimes that's when it really goes south so um So I've learned over a period of time to really trust my God. And I do that a lot with people, people Mm I hire or the investors we work with. And I think I've been truly blessed that I've been like supported in this whole endeavor by such amazing people. Techacorn, SG08, you know, Lunex. Oh my God, these guys have been so supportive, so helpful. I cannot imagine that there would be a moment, all my angel investors, I know that I just have to pick up the phone and, you know, I have the the air. I can talk to them, they will listen to to me, they will come back with their opinions. Uh, it's just amazing to have that support.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the good people as well. Very, very yeah, good people. I mean, we just had them on the show as well. I mean, Vinnie Loria was on the show today and Lunex Tushar was on the show. Tushar, yes. So, I mean, yeah, they're all sort of well-known people, but they're all sort of very much want to give as well. Not from the very traditional school of VC investment. These are people who want to be involved and want to help out. So you've got some good people on board. What's the challenge now moving forward, looking at where you are in the next nine to 12 months? You've raised, so you can take a bit of a, a pause and a breath, but, you know, a day off and then back into it. What is the challenge? Is it, Um, obviously you have a product that's live as well Um, you're going to be raising again soon and then building your team where are you with that are you looking to expand as well because I I imagine that is probably more of a challenge than actually raising capital now is finding the right people because here in Singapore is a very competitive market for talent and also finding people you know why should I work in a startup when I can work on a trading desk in Morgan Stanley somewhere or you know I can do all that right so what is the challenge now for you guys
1: um i think so i have i've I've actually been asked that question so many times and um the point is i actually haven't felt that pressed for talent Mm. again i think it's just blessings um we have found some absolutely outstanding outstanding people working with us. Absolutely amazing and faster than we ever thought possible. I didn't think we will be able to ramp up to eight people by this time. Mm -hmm. We literally like, we started looking for our CISO and within a week, I had my dream person working with us. Within Mm -hmm. a week, it doesn't work that way. Like so many things have to fall in place for that to happen. Similarly, we found our designer, our full stack developers. They're absolutely outstanding people. So um. We haven't faced that issue yet. Before I jinx myself, I really should just go touch wood on that. Right. Um. Uh, but I think what uh, we need to do now is, uh, I think the biggest, the biggest focus area for me is to make sure that execution is is going to be the key for us. Mm. So uh, making sure that every one of us is now rowing in the same direction. As a mm. startup, the only asset we really have is speed and agility. And we can't squander that asset away. So ensuring that everyone knows what they're, what everyone else is doing and we're all working on the same direction. It's not like I mm. have priority A and it depends on two other people who are not prioritizing it. That's exactly the recipe for disaster. So um, way back in December, once we had known that we are going to have people joining us by end of December, I started working on OKR. So I read up John Doerr's book on measure what matters. I have read mm. a couple of other books. I did a lot of reading on what goes wrong with OKRs. And um, once I was sufficiently comfortable with it, we rolled it out in January, uh, starting out with me as an example. And um, I think that is my my top priority is to ensure that OKRs actually get implemented the mm. way they should be. They get institutionalized so that it's not just me driving it and everyone owns it. Everyone understands what it means to even put it down. And, and we're all learning. Mm. None of us have ever implemented this before. But um, we, what is already happening over the last two months that we've implemented it, I can see that there is so much transparency in what everyone's doing. The commitment levels are through the roof Mm. because you're, you know, committing not to yourself, but to your team. And that's helping us. But obviously, there are a lot of things that are also not, not perfect. So we're trying to improve how we word things, how we say things, how we target things. So we're learning. But I think that is that the execution, making sure everyone's on the execution Mm. and making sure that while I push everyone, there are no exhaustions in the process. Everyone gets to rejuvenate as well Mm -hmm. as a team. Uh, Bonding together because we are all new. We're just getting to know each other. That becomes extremely important. Uh, We're spending so much time with each other. And some of us have gone through some tough personal times, literally in these three, four months that we've known each other. Yeah, life happens. Yeah. And so making sure that all of this can go together Mm. properly, that's, I think, going to be my biggest focus. And on the team development side, uh, I think now it's time that I hire someone who's more non-technical, who can start taking things from me, Mm. because I'm increasingly beginning to feel that I'm getting stretched way too much. Absolutely.
0: That that is the challenge of any founder. Where do you see your role going? Because you know, there are many options there, aren't there? I mean, if you sort of take the Dyson role where, you know, you become like the the technical creator, you, you bring on somebody to do the CEO type role because you just enjoy tinkering with code, for example, or you could take more sort of the pure leadership role where you're out there selling what you're doing and, and you know, the PR, the marketing, the relationships, the, you know, the key accounts and all that stuff. And then have somebody else looking after the technical stuff. Where do you see yourself sort of falling into this in terms of sort of taking this forward? Because this will be your challenge, I think, isn't it? Because you can do all of it. And that's a blessing and a curse because you can code and you can also sell.
1: I can code, but let's be very clear. I can code up an MVP, but I'll never trust a production system for my life
0: if (laughs) if I wrote it. (laughs) So <laughs> and you got people who can look after that, right? Yes. So, so, where do you see your role in, in Propine sort of moving forward? What sort of things will you be doing more of, and importantly as well, less of? Because as you grow, you can't be doing everything. Yeah.
1: So I think uh, EF actually made it very clear to us the whole process through which we went through with EF. I think there is no confusion in what my role is going to be. Um, very clearly, it's Zan who is who is responsible for product, and I'm responsible for. Um, sales for being the spokesperson Mm. for PR for branding all of those things is mine so he's the one who's internally focused and I'm going to be the one who's been externally focused the last two months since we've done the raise I have been very internally focused mainly to get the house in order Mm. Uh, but I have to like and I'm increasingly now going back to my original role which is to be externally focused so that's very clear Um, we're hiring people to help us uh, start like taking the testing off my hands completely. So I just like look at the last product finally. Mm. Otherwise, I was intimately uh, involved with testing as well. We will have a product manager. or We already have someone in house who is getting groomed into being a product manager so that all the product notes, all of that system stuff gets out of my hands as well. Um, uh, there are a lot of other roles that I'm trying to figure out, like there would be a legal and compliance as a regulatory mm-hmm. role. So those pieces we've identified people. Um, uh, we are looking, so, so there are, Other parts, we are also looking for a business development person. Mm. So there are quite a few roles that are now non-technical that we are beginning to look out for. In fact, I think over the next couple of days, we will be putting out a few uh, job descriptions. Mm. Um, And our investors have been really helpful. Uh, guiding us towards it, to be honest, I was still not uh, ready to accept that I need to hire somebody from CL. I was like, no, I know this stuff best. Yeah, I can sell better than anyone right? else. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then, you know, I was... That's the
0: blind <laughs> spot of the founder, right? But to to have those people around you who can help you identify that, that's absolutely critical yeah. because so on your own, we all do that. Yeah,
1: correct. So we've had a few hours of conversation where I saw the fallacy of my thought mm. process and I became a lot more aware of how much help I need. And um, so, yeah, I'm in the process of uh, writing out some job descriptions Great, good for now. you.
0: So you, you said something interesting, Tahina, that you um, make a lot of decisions from your gut, from instinct, and that served you really well in the trading desk. And, you know, even when you try and get logically in the weeds of the, you know, the, the patterns and try and analyze it, it doesn't work out for you as good as going with that sort of subconscious that you know that that snap decision that you're making about things and people as well when you're um building a team as well i'm sure you're going to apply a bit of that that you know you're going to see people (laughs) for good and for bad but it works for you you know if you've got sort of the right mechanisms and experience and it's a great decision making tool to have when somebody reaches out to you and they may be people that watch this as well and say look i absolutely love what you're doing um your story has attracted me to this particular space, you know, and I want to now explore how I can sort of be part of this. What is it that you're looking for? Because you've identified the hard skills, if you like, you know, the business development person, and the project managers and so on. Um, But mindset wise, what are you looking for? Because I imagine that's a lot of what you are gauging on those sort of snap decisions, those intuitive decisions. What are the sort of the checkboxes there to help people understand that, you know, they're, they're making the right decision, reaching out to you? What are you looking for mindset wise?
1: So um, I'll preface the answer. Uh, gut decisions are by definition can't be defined like what exactly you're looking for. Okay. But uh, what we really do is uh, we, what what we've done so far is that the funnel has always been filled up by Zan so far. Also because it made sense because it was all technical rules that we were looking for. And he puts them through a very rigorous process. There are tests to be completed. There are jobs that he gives them to complete. And Mm. then he looks at the quality of answers, quality of code that has been written out before he even gets to the interview level with them. Only when he has crossed them through these two or three, you know, tough hoops and he's very comfortable and he says, like, I I love this person. You have to see him. That's when I walk in. Mm. And that's when, you know, then my whole gut about, like, whether we have the right wives, whether this person feels like he's the right fit for the company. And I think from that perspective, what uh, I will attempt to say what I look for in a person. I'm not sure if I'll be able to cover everything. But um, for me, it's very important that... uh, A person is 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 a a good person at heart, you know. Uh, People who can think beyond themselves. Life is not about me. It is not about uh, what I can take away. So even on a negotiating table, if Mm. I'm sitting with you, I'm not the person who will fight for that last penny. I like to leave it on the table for the other party because when I deal with people, it is not transactional in nature, right? It is about that long-term relationship I'll Mm. create with you. It will always be a give and take. So I try and give as much as I can because I don't know when I will need to take from you and I don't know how much will I need to take Mm. from you. I need to make sure that you have that bank balance to be able to give to me and still be happy. Mm -hmm. So, um, And and I take that thought process uh, without thinking it like that, but like that's how I am and and that's how I like to see in other people, people who can look beyond themselves. Mm. When people are like that, then they think more team they think more about, so like, for example, even when we do OKRs, I, I one thing I make sure that everyone understands very clearly, this is not a management tool. This will not be used for performance evaluation. Mm. It is not about this person's not done what he said, comi- what he committed on Monday. On Friday, he hasn't completed that. It's about what is blocking him or her? What can we do as a team? How, if we all win or lose together, so we all have to put Put, this, put ourselves uh, you know, out there for the team. So I think that's mm-hmm. something I really look for. Um, uh, I think another thing I would look for is I, I can't stand people who are rude to others. So if I find rudeness, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big put off for me. Right. Very big foot off.
0: Yeah, and you've worked in an environment like the trading desk ah, where that yes. was just kind of natural, right? So yes. yeah, it's not necessary, right? No,
1: so there is a there's a difference. When yeah. you're working and you're professionally, like there are people who will be using all kinds of language there. Yeah. That doesn't define whether you're rude or not. Yeah, you are absolutely. expressing some extreme emotions in that moment. Yeah. But what happens after that? Can you sit down like are you going to carry that grudge yeah. uh, you know after the work gets done? Or is it in that moment it's over and you know I still respect you as a person. We can go out for a drink afterwards, right? That's what I look for. You know, people who can respect you for who you are and not get personal about things, Mm. which is very important in a high stress environment and Mm. things, people fly off the handle all the time, right? You Mm. can't live with those emotions continuously. Like it's super damaging.
0: Mm. So So is your, I mean, in terms of company culture, I think it's probably a key part of who you are and what you do. Is it like a, uh, a high stress culture? Is it like a, you know, because what, what, that could have been like the trading desk type culture. You know, is, is that like that in Propine or what what kind of company culture do you have? Because I imagine people, that's going to be, apart from you and Zan and your story, the culture of the company has got to be what attracts people to what you do, isn't it? So give us a feel for what that, I mean, you, you mentioned about some of the tools you use, but what's it actually like in Propine?
1: Definitely not a high stress environment. I do, not, I do not want to ever track. Like it's, it's only in the employment contract where you say these are your working hours. Right. I don't care where your working hours are. I don't care where you're working from. What I really care about is that you say, you will tell me what you want to do, and you will hold yourself responsible for achieving those goals. Mm. If you're stuck, you will come and say, I am stuck here for this reason, and let's get help here. So I do not want to babysit people. I do not want to uh, know what you're doing when you're doing Mm. Uh, and, and 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 i think every person has and must be aware of what makes them effective mm. what makes them tick when they like to work, how they like to work, and people define that in our company. My CEO is very clear: no meetings in the first half. No one disturbs me in the first half. So till two o'clock, I, I never schedule anything for him unless mm. it's something absolutely important, and then I have to ask take his prior permission for that. That's true for everyone else. There are people who are like I want to come in only at 10, 1030, and then I will work till like whatever time. There are others who are, who come in at eight, eight fifteen in the mm. morning. So it's totally your own cadence. What makes you take What makes you effective? And 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 it is important that. People take that responsibility for themselves. We all have 168 hours. What do we do with those mm. 168 hours? And it's very important that all of us, when we look at each other, we, we have to remember that we're never going to be a team of mediocres. This is not a team of mediocres. It's mm. a team of superstars. And, and you're not a superstar by yourself you know, what we're trying to create here is much larger, much bigger, much more significant than what any of us can ever achieve by ourselves. Mm. We can only achieve it when we're together and we're helping each other. And that's what I try to remind everyone every day, that one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you will look back and you will think of this time in your life as the most productive, the most amazing, the most fun time of your life. That You would be proud that you were there when all of this happened. Hmm. And one of the things that we're doing is um, every time an employee is getting, um, so we have this three-month probation period. After that, we've, we've created these nice little cups which our designer created with their name and their you know, their own fun doodle stuff and how they like to think of themselves mm-hmm. as. And everyone's getting that cup with like employee number written on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're just up to number those,
0: eight at the moment.
1: <laughs> we're at number right. eight. But the number eight hasn't been, um, uh, you know, he hasn't finished his probation. Oh, okay, yet, right. So he's okay. not got the cup yet.
0: Good. So. Well, I, I've really enjoyed um, hearing about your journey and ProPine as well. And I think, you know, True to what you're doing is I know we could have gone really deep into the technology, but how important it is that you are on um, what I believe listening to your story is the people behind this is really what is this propine story is about. And, you know, obviously it's a, an industry of trust and an industry of relationships. So it makes sense that the people who are doing that are really, you know, they're passionate about that rather than people who can just code because you guys obviously can cope as good as anybody else, but that's only as good as the ability to a go out there and sell that talk about it and build relationships as well, both inside the crypto space and with, the traditional financial institutions as well. So I think you've done a really good job of explaining that today and you know, coming across as well. I can see you're really passionate about this and you have very strong opinions about what this should be and shouldn't be. And that may put some people off, be honest, right? Um, you know, let's not beat about the bush. Some people may be put off by that. But I think it will attract the right people at the end of the day. You Having know?
1: said that, actually, so you're right about expressing strong opinions. Uh, I'll qualify that. Have strong opinions, weakly held. Right. So I'm always open to hearing a counter argument of what, like I'm, I'm never immune to not hearing the other side of the story. If, if I did, great. I wouldn't be alive in trading.
0: You're not a tyrant, so. <laughs> right, exactly. So I mean, even with trading, I think it's like the, the best traders are the ones who can look back and like yeah. learn from their mistakes.
1: Yeah, You don't get married to your trade, no. You no. have to be able to throw your baby out of the water. Like, uh, exactly.
0: You know, You've yeah. learned all so. those hard lessons as yeah. well. So it's great. Um, Tahina, it's been a real pleasure um, sharing the story with us. What we'll do is we'll make all the details available for those people that want to reach out to you as well. Sure. Um, we've, we've got sort of the basic, we didn't go too deep into the pitch deck today, but I think your ability to tell a story really sort of carried that. Um, the best way for people to reach out to you, what would that be? What's the most effective? Because you're you're busy now building a, a team, so you're going to be obviously out there as well, doing your, um, you know, the, the front facing part of the business, which is your role, right? So. Um, People are going to reach out to you. What kind of conversations do you want to have? Who are you looking to speak to? And also, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Uh, I think the best way is to mail me. Mm-hmm. I regularly check mails and it also makes sure, you know, that I get back to people and things don't get lost in messages. Telegram is the worst way to reach out to yeah, me. It's a LinkedIn noisy world. Yeah, is also a very, very bad way to reach out to me. I Sometimes I don't get to it for like months. So uh, email is the best. Right. Maybe WhatsApp as well says okay. so check that regularly, um, and I, I am looking to talk to people who are passionate about uh, making a difference. Hmm. But re- and, and it's not I'm not saying this as a as a perfunctory word. I really like passion is something that I really admire in other people. It's a quality. It's it's a value that I. I have in myself and it's something I actively look out in other people because I think if you have passion and if you are and if you believe in something Mm. that's what is going to carry you through through those troughs of sorrow which will eventually come like I I was looking at one of those podcasts that you were talking about where you said uh, or someone in their podcast said that you know, ninety percent of the companies, or ninety-nine percent of the companies, will go through that mm. trough of sorrow oh, six yeah. to seven times. I think it was Antler CEO. Oh,
0: okay, Magnus. Yeah, yeah. Magnus
1: was saying this. So uh, I think that that I believe that passion is one of those things mm. that will carry us through and in a smiling manner Yeah, like, it's like you know that 30th kilometer in your marathon where you are pushing yourself painful. Through. painful but you have to do it absolutely. Uh, and, and have a reason and and they, they need to have a reason beyond just I just want a job mm. or you know when I have hired people from outside like are they just coming to Singapore because they want to come to Singapore or because what we're doing or what work we're going to do or the, the career path that they, mm. they see with us is something that is going to keep them with us over a period of time it's something that they're passionate about that they will learn you know personal growth is super super important for me and yeah. not just in terms of career so people who like to develop themselves people who have introspective skills who can mm. ask themselves questions what's going wrong they they are very deeply attractive for me mm. so uh, and i think i i like to surround myself with those kind of people so i guess uh, team members would also have some of those qualities
0: absolutely and why not well, it's Tahina seeing everybody, CEO and founder at ProPine. Tahina, thank you so much for coming today, sharing your passion with us. It's been a real privilege and sharing the, the ProPine journey as well. We'll put all the details in the show notes and all the best.
1: Thank you so much. This is an
0: exciting journey for you. The next 12 months are going to be really exciting. See how it goes. I and mean, it's not going to go in a straight line. We know that. <laughs> but the fact is, hopefully you're still smiling at the end of it and you can share an update with us at some point. Part two in the journey.
1: We would love to. Thank Excellent. you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.